Hello and welcome back to episode 14 of the Andrew Steele podcast. As promised, bringing you a full episode this week, and we're actually going to have two this week. I'm recording another one on Friday, so that will be with you on Saturday. But no, welcome back. We are sponsored by blogsofsteel.substack.com. We are working on getting a proper sponsor on board which is exciting, so I will update you on that as and when we have news, we're just working through stuff on that as we speak. But we've got a big show for you today, Mike Meyer, who is the editor-in-chief at Mets Mesmerized, a site that is very close to my heart. It, you know, Mike and the late great Joe D, who we sadly lost earlier in the year, they gave me my first big break when it came to covering baseball. And just being able to write about the Mets and and you know have someone like Mike to learn from and get tips and advice from was was great. You know Mike's very plugged into the Mets, and so it was great to have him have him on. And he was the perfect person to have on to talk about the hot mess that is the New York Mets. It has been an absolute dumpster fire of a season so far. They have just won three in a row and could go for the sweep today. So. Things are looking up, but I think overall the the pitch for them to make the, the playoffs is looking bleak. I think as of now, last time I checked, they've got like a 16.5% chance to make the playoffs per fan graph. So I think even that is being kind, as me and Mike discussed at length. So it was great to get Mike on. We kind of really did a deep dive on, on everything to do with the Mets from... You know, why they're in this position, what they're going to do at the trade deadline, what should they do, what the next 10 days is going to look like in terms of the decision process, who's to kind of blame for this, the long-term futures of Billy Epler and Buck Showalter, what players need to step up, the players that, that can come out with this any credit, and then, you know, because he is dominating every aspect of baseball and he's the king of baseball, we finished with some... Shohei Otani questions and kind of looked at, you know, if he's in play at the trade deadline, are the Mets going to be aggressive? Are they going to be aggressive in free agency? So if you're a Mets fan, this is going to be the podcast for you because we did really do a deep dive and kind of dug deep into what the hell's been going on. Because, you know, I think, as we said, even if they do somehow manage to pull this out of their backsides and, and make the wild card... It's still been an incredibly disappointing season and this team's fundamentally flawed. There's no getting away from it. This this team has not been built the right way and I get that Steve Cohen has got his hands tied because he, he hasn't quite got the front office he wants so far. That may change if, if David Stearns is, is hired in the off-season and you know, he inherited a depleted farm system. So... You know, he's been trying to rebuild that back up as we go. But yeah, it's it's not been good at all and, and there's too many big time players that, that just haven't showed up this year. You know, Peter Alonso's having his worst year, Jeff McNeil's been a disaster, Lindor's been inconsistent, you know, Canna's not been great, Marte's not been great. Although I think, you know, we got into this as well with Marte, I think it's more a case of him just not being healthy. I, I don't I don't think he's been fully healthy dating back to the All-Star break last year. But, you know, and of, of course, you know, the bullpen's been an absolute hot mess outside of David Robertson, who who could be doubt at the trade deadline. And then, you know, you're paying 
Max Scherzer and um, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander a truckload of money each, and they haven't played to the back of their baseball cards, and and that's been the the, the common theme with this team. Just too many players haven't played to the back of their baseball cards. It's the same thing with the Yankees. You know, I've done a uh, you know a kind of tongue in cheek piece, which you can read over on blogsofsteel.substack.com about the fact that I think I've cursed both teams because I was so I was so enthusiastic about their chances back in early March. But the the Yankees are in the same boat. They're just fundamentally flawed. They're they're a team that's built to live or die with Aaron Judge, and Aaron Judge has been out of the lineup for the last six weeks or so, and. You know, too many players just aren't playing up to the, the back of their baseball cards, and when that doesn't happen, you, you're not going to have success. And you know, as a result, we're we're left in a position where it's incredibly likely at this point that both New York teams will miss the playoffs, despite having the two highest payrolls in all baseball. So, yeah, it's not great to be a New York baseball fan, but if you're a Mets fan, this is going to be the podcast for you because we really do get into it in depth. And Mike, you know, again, Mike's great. Mike is as plugged into the Mets as you can get. And it was brilliant to have him on and have his views. As I said, I'm recording another podcast on Friday. And this is actually going to be um, with a guest who is going to come on and talk about the Yankees. So you're going to have two podcasts this week that, that cover the Mets and the Yankees separately. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot to talk about because the Yankees are coming off a serious loss to the Rockies and they've just been swept by the Angels. So as bad as things have been for the Mets, I think things are worse for the Yankees right now. Although they should be getting judged back, which which will help them. But yeah, without further ado, I will hand you over to my conversation with Mike Meyer. Enjoy. So I'm delighted to be joined by Mike Mayer from uh, Mets Mesmerize, the editor-in-chief there, someone who actually gave me my first real chance when it came to uh, writing about baseball. So I'll be internally grateful to you and the uh, the late, great Joe, Joe D. Um, Mike, thank you for jumping on. The reason I wanted you to come on was because there is a lot to talk about with the Mets, as, as always. I want to kind of get into current events and we'll work our way back. Um, they're playing right now as we as we record this. Heading into what, like before the game started, they had a 14.3% chance of making the postseason, according to, to Fangraphs, eight back of a wildcard spot. There's obviously a lot of talk, as there always is, a lot of kind of difference in opinions. There's some who are saying that they're still, you know, technically they're they're still alive. As of now, what are your thoughts on their their chances of making the postseason? I mean, honestly, I think 14% seems a little high to me. Um, just given the way, I mean, it, it's not like the Mets have um, had very good stretches of baseball at all this year. They've, they've been a bad team most of the year. And um, that's because of a lot to do with underperformance from certain players. Um, Max Scherzer's had a down year. Justin Verlander's had a down year. Jeff McNeil's had a very bad year. Starling Marte's had a bad year. Um, Pete Alonso's having his worst 
year of his career. So, I mean, those are five really important names, um, really important players to the Mets franchise. And for all of them to be having down seasons, it wouldn't surprise you to learn that they're eight games out of wild card. Um, with that said, I all of those guys are very good players. Um, two of them are Hall of Famers. One won the batting title last year. One is one of the best power hitters in baseball. So it also, on the flip side, wouldn't surprise me if all of those guys or multiple of those guys start clicking. Um, Scherzer looked really good in his last outing. Um, as we're talking tonight, um, Verlander's got four scoreless innings so far tonight, and he's looked good. Um, but the kind of issue is they're eight games out, and they only have 10 games that they're going to play before the trade deadline. Um, and to really be a team that wants to be a buyer, you would really have to be at least five games within the wild card um, for me. That, that would kind of make sense. So they'd have to gain three games with only 10 to play, which is certainly doable, but feels like a tall task given what they've done so far this season. Um, they're winning tonight 2-0 um, um, with Verlander on the mound, so that could be their third win in a row. But then they, they travel, go play the Red Sox and the Yankees. Um, obviously, Yankees fans are down right now, but they're, they're still a better team than the Mets by quite a bit in the standings. And the Red Sox have been a surprise team this year. So, um, yeah, they, they've got to make up three or four games to kind of get in that position where they could be buyers. Um, I don't, I don't think that even if, let's say it doesn't turn out that they, if they're seven or eight games, I think they're going to be sellers. I think that's pretty clear. And I think it's clear because they don't have a ton of pieces to sell, right? Like pending free agent wise, they have Tommy Pham, um, David Robertson and Daniel Vogelback. And I mean, Trevor God, I guess you can throw in there. Um, but those are the only guys they have that are pending free agents. Mark Canna has a team option for next year. Brooks Raley has a team option for next year. Um, so that that's really the only pieces they have. The big pieces are Fam and Robertson, and I wouldn't exactly call them big pieces. Um, Robertson being potentially one of the best closers that will be on the market will certainly help. But that I think that'll kind of keep them from really even getting into like a full-blown sell. I, I don't think even if they're eight games out, I, I don't think they're trading Max Scherzer and Pete Alonso and other guys that only have a year after this year left on their deal. Yeah. I mean, I think given all the money they've invested this year and just kind of the, the reputation of Steve Cohen that we know and everything he's, he said publicly and everything that we, we kind of know that he thinks privately, I don't think they're ever going to, you know, go in on the whole wholesale sell or rebuild and as you said there's some key pieces there I mean in terms of the deadline itself whether they they buy or sell it's going to as you said it's going to be marginal gains either way even if they do end up buying it's, I, I can't see them going out and adding a a, a big time piece it's probably going to be to fill a little, you know, couple of holes here and there well and I mean to that point they kind of um, they've Cohen and Epler have made it clear that they don't really want to trade any of their top prospects. Um, and two of their guys who started as the top prospects this year, Alvarez and Beatty are now playing key roles at the major league level. 
Um, Alvarez has been one of their best hitters and Beatty's starting to come around again. He's homered in two straight games now. So um, that's two of the pieces. Like those are the two of their young best players. So now you're getting into guys like Ronnie Mauricio and Mark Vientos and um, Vientos all being a small sample size, didn't play great at the major leagues. And Mauricio was kind of fallen off the last month or so in the minors and doesn't really have a position. Um, the Mets have tried to play him at second and left field and to kind of pave a way for the big leagues, but he hasn't particularly picked up either of those positions very well. Um, and outside of that, they got guys like Kevin Parada, um, Alex Ramirez, Mike Fassel, Blake Tidwell, um, Christian Scott, um, Dominic Hamill. Uh, those type of guys that would be their top 10 prospects. And the Mets have really said that they'd like to stay away from trading them. And also none of those guys are a headliner for a big piece, like you mentioned. Um, so they don't have huge trade chips if they wanted to go out and get a big piece. Um, and like you said, I, I really don't think that's what they want to do. I mean, even on a good a good scenario, they're going to still be four or five games out of the wild card. And I, I'm not sure that they want to um, go ahead and sell any of those bigger assets that they have. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I look at, I was looking earlier and, you know, a player like Lane Thomas for the Nationals is, is kind of a little bit of everything the Mets need, but they're not, as you said, they're not going to want to probably give up the, the prospects or the, assets back that the Nationals probably want in a deal like that. But outside of that, obviously I know that Mets Mesmerizer are going to be busy cooking up articles on this anyway. Is there, is there any kind of, you know, fringe guys that you have in your mind that they could go after? Because we, we know what the, the, the holes are on this roster. It's bullpen help and they still need, you know, they still need a power bat in the middle of that lineup as well, don't they? Yeah, and I think part of like what they would potentially need too is maybe a starting pitcher, but that kind of, we got to kind of wait and see what Quintana does right in his yeah. season debut on Thursday. So that, that again could be a big boost for them, but I, I think, I think they would still look certainly add some pitching. I know guys like uh, Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals have been mentioned as a guy that probably gets traded. Uh, Lucas Giolito who pitched against the Mets mm -hmm. last night is a guy that's certainly likely to get traded. And then, I mean, you you got all – they're not a ton of sellers this year, but you do have some bad teams in any of those relievers. I mean, the, the Mets are certainly going to want to get a reliever or two if they're um, buying. I mean, um, that just – I think if Verlander and Scherzer are pitching up to the capabilities and Quintana's back, um, Carrasco's pitched a little better recently, then the bullpen really is that spot where they need something. Um and you mentioned a big bat, but again, that's just that's just a tough thing to get at the deadline. Yeah. And they would have to give up a top prospect. And honestly, I, I'm not sure what the big bat is even going to be that's available for this trade deadline. Um, it sounds like Otani's not going to be available right now. I mean, things can certainly change in the next 10 to 11 days, but... Um, that would that would be the wild card, obviously, if Otani becomes available and uh, everyone will be trying to get him if he is. Yeah, there's a couple of Otani questions I've got for you, but I'll leave those to, to near the end. I, I kind of want to go back to something that you were saying before, and then I've got a kind of broader question on 
or a broader set of questions on what the Mets do long term from you know once this year is done. But going back to what you were saying before, it's kind of one of the reasons why this team's so frustrating is there's so many variables, as you said, isn't there? Because a lot of the team's core aren't playing to the back of their baseball cards. And it's like, if they're able to flip the script, then as you said, then I don't think anyone would be surprised if they did end up getting one of the wildcard spots. But there's enough of a sample size now. Like Eventually, you are who you show that you are. And there's enough of a sample size to think there's no way this team's going to be able to play the near-perfect baseball that they're going to be required to play in order to do so. But that's why it's so perplexing in the run-up to the trade deadline because no one really knows what this team is. And and what compounds it even more is obviously the the wealth of resources that, that got put into this team prior to the start of the season. Yeah, and I, I think what actually makes it more perplexing too is I didn't really agree with... Um, and I understand what his reasons were, but I didn't agree with Steve Cohen coming out when he did and saying, well, Showalter and Epler are fine. These guys are staying here for this year. Um, I think I would have left. I know he did it because of all the whispers and he wanted to kind of quiet that down. But I think um, I think this team needed some sort of change. Um, and I'm not a change for change sake type of person but look this is a team that was brought in they they brought in buck showalter to be that guy to make sure that they were a fundamental team that they did all the little things right um and that's not who they've been this year so i i thought it was kind of counterproductive to throw support behind showalter when they, they hadn't been playing to, when you talk about baseball card, to like Buck Showalter's baseball card, really. I mean, that's that's what his baseball card would say on the back is that fundamentals and they do all the little things right and that just isn't who the Mets have been this year. So um, I, I think that kind of made it so that the Mets were in this spot, right? So even if they started stinking, they knew that there was nothing coming. There was no changes coming. Um and that's that's always what play uh, managers talking about is putting pressure on players, whether it's competition, um, saying that they don't have this gigs, saying that they leaving it open to them fighting for it. And uh, when Cohen came out and kind of said that, I, I think that kind of took away from that, that um, that uncertainty in a good way. I think that they needed that little bit of uncertainty to keep them um and they they had a stretch where they didn't play well after he did it and then before the dead uh before the all-star break they did play pretty well so no yeah but to your bigger point there is there's not just in the next um 10 to 11 12 days um but this offseason um there's a lot of uncertainty not just surrounding the players but there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding the coaching staff and the front office um there still hasn't been any stability. Then that's what Steve Cohen kind of talked about what he wanted to do and build out. And we haven't seen that yet, um, which we could talk about for hours of kind of how it happened, where they still haven't got their president of ba- baseball operations, right? Like that, that hasn't happened yet. And Billy Epler was pretty far down on the list of who they wanted to get for GM. Yeah. I mean, I think 
you know, I think what's clear is no matter what happens between now and the and the trade deadline and after that, there's going to be some pretty seismic changes, which which we'll get into. And one of those changes, obviously, could be Buck Showalter, and uh, that's probably been the most perplexing thing, or one of the most perplexing things to me, is because I was a big Buck guy. I was, I I was one of the 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 fans that wanted Buck in the previous managerial cycles as well, even before. He got the job this time around, and I mean, last year seemed to be pretty much everything he touched turned to gold, and it just seemed to be one of those near perfect years. And this year's been the complete opposite of it, and and it's almost it, you know was last year's falls gold, and has he lost a step, and is he unable to kind of keep up with? Because you know we we know that Billy Apple is very analytically driven, or has it just been one of those years where everything's literally gone wrong and? And it, it's, you know, you're left to wonder come the end of this, is is he going to be out of a job too? Yeah, I, I think that's, so let's, let's say the Mets kind of keep playing the way they have been all year and kind of just run out the string and they, they finish below 500. Um, that's certainly what Steve Cohen's got to kind of figure out is, okay, we were really bad this year with the best payroll in baseball. So why? Um so why did we, why were we this way and how do we fix it? And I think the first thing you have to look at is Billy Epler. Um, I, I certainly think he's made some positive moves with the Mets, but I think he had a really bad deadline last year. And I think it, it looks even worse now once you've seen how some of those prospects have done and how bad some of the players that he traded for have been. Um, I, th- I think that looks bad. And I, I think this offseason, while he did, again, had some good moves, obviously getting Sanga has worked out really well. Um, but he also, the depth wasn't there enough, particularly in the bullpen. Even before the Diaz um, injury, there was there was still, I mean, you, you just see stuff on Mets Twitter and articles around the Mets community, and they were still calling for like a Matt Moore or an Andrew Chafin or a reliable reliever that was still on the market and the Mets um, made sure it was pretty well known through different sources that they were done adding to the bullpen and they wanted to make sure that they filled out the back end of their bullpen with optional relievers. Well, what happened was a lot of those guys got hurt, whether it's Bryce Montez, Dioka, Steven Ridings, um, Sam Coonrod, um, those guys got hurt who were supposed to be the depth guys, the optional guys. And then they ended up scrambling and getting a bunch of guys off waivers uh, who weren't optional. Dennis Santana, um, they signed Dominic Leone and there's three or four other guys that have com- come and gone from waivers. Uh, Seth Elich, um, a couple other guys that have come and gone. So, and I think like you said, the Mets potentially, I mean, they could certainly use a big bat. And that's what a lot of people said during the offseason. I mean, that's why they went after Carlos Correa, right? Is because they thought they were going to be able to add him to the lineup. And Steve Cohen himself said they needed to. So while the Mets had a solid offseason with the pieces that they did get for the most part, I I thought it was a lot like the trade deadline where Epler just didn't do enough. And I think Epler is a good scout. I think he's a good resource to have in an organization, particularly with his ties to Japan and stuff like that. 
Um, but I don't think he's the head of baseball operations like a guy like David Stearns is. Yeah, I, I mean, you you mentioned Carlos Correa. Now I almost forgot that whole saga actually <laughs> took place. It, I think it just proves how long this year is felt for for the Mets, given that you could forget something as crazy as that is it, it almost happened. And like you know, I I did a couple of articles at least on Chafin and Moore for Mets Mesmerize, and I know a few other people did, and it just seemed crazy that they those guys you know proven vets were left hanging out there for for months, and as you said, Apple just didn't do enough. And you know, you mentioned it there that the David Stern shadow has loomed large over this organization for a while, and it could happen this off-season, finally, and what that means for Epler, whether that means he, he slots in under Cerns or he goes completely. But I think one thing, and I, I, I haven't seen this talked about at large yet, or I may have missed it, but I do think maybe just a rethink of their approach maybe needs to be looked at in the off-season. And, and I mean, you know, Mets fans aren't going to like this, but I look at a team like the Atlanta Braves and why everyone aren't looking... At them as a blueprint. You know, you look at their roster, they've got the core of their lineup locked down to long-term team-friendly deals. And for me, I, you know, I don't know if you agree, but for me, they should be the blueprint. And I do think no matter what happens this year, maybe there needs to be a rethink of how they're trying to build this. Well, I think um, to kind of get to that point um, overall, I think Cohen and Epler and the rest of the front office were kind of in a tough spot to do that um, because their farm system wasn't very good when um, Cohen took ownership. Um, and that certainly, that really hurts a team that's trying to build for a long-term winner when you don't have a good um, farm system. Um, Brody Van Wagenen kind of left them hanging, so to speak. And, uh, so they were in a position where, like you're talking about, um, they kind of had to buy pitching, right? They had to go out and spend a ton of money on Scherzer. Um, this offseason, they had to spend a m- bunch of money on Verlander. Um, but so th- they had to, they didn't have all those pieces in the minor leagues. Um, I think now, I think they have finally kind of got development, particularly pitching development in a better place than it has been at any point in Steve Cohen's um, regime. I think right now, once they hired some guys this offseason and hired some high-end guys that were available for the pitching development, I I think we're finally seeing that with Mike Vassals that I've mentioned, uh, Blade Tidwell's having a great couple of months now, Christian Scott's been good, Tyler Stewart. um, And these are guys that are now all pitching at double and triple A. So... You, you think about these guys being big leaguers at some point this year and potentially some point next year. Um, so that's kind of where you, you want, you want to be right is where you don't have to back to back years, have to buy the best free agent pitcher or one of the best free agent pitchers in back to back years um, or trade always have to trade for the big bat, those pieces Um so that, that's where the Mets have to be. But I, I think the way you get there is with a really great front office. And I, I, I don't think they're there yet. And I think that's why I mentioned Stearns 
But to your point with the Braves, yeah, I think so right now, obviously we've seen that Francisco Alvarez is a big league catcher. Um, he's one of the best offensive catchers in baseball already. And he's shown that he's a perfectly capable defender, um, potentially even an above average defender overall. Uh, he's the guy, right? That That's the type of player you want to sign to an extension, right? He's 21 years old. Yeah, um, that, that, yeah, that's a prime age that even if you extend him and it ends up being a eight, nine, 10 year deal, whatever it ends up being, he's still going to be in the prime of his career when you extend him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that would be my first thing. If you really want to build within, keep um, your good players for a long term, that's a step in the right direction. Like you're talking about with the extensions. Um, I would, I would look at Beatty too. I, I know he's had some struggles uh, in the last month or so, but I, I'm still a big believer in Brett Beatty. Um, I think he just needs to lift the ball a little bit more, which he's obviously done the last two games back-to-back home runs. Um, I know people have talked about his defense because of that pop-up, but that pop-up, I, it, that was wild. I don't know if you've seen like the 3D graphic of it. It's just baseballs don't do that yeah. very often. And so that was a tough one. And overall, Beatty's been a good defender for the Mets this year. If you if you go look at the metrics, he's been a good defender. So obviously Alvarez would be the 1A and the 1B and the 1C and all of that. He would be the guy that you're really focusing on for an extension. But I, I would look at Beatty too and then be aggressive like that. That that's the way that you spend some smart that smart money too, and that's the way you don't end up with a team that's just filled with older free agents. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're looking at positives and, and reasons for hope from the first half of the season, you know, Alvarez obviously leads the way completely, and it's not even close. You know, he's he's proven to be an absolute stud. You know, at the plate, behind the plate. Sanger's in there as well. I, I, I think that's a, a, a you know a high end piece to build around. Yeah, Beatty for me, I, I think there's been enough flashes of upside there to know that he can be your future third baseman. And and you know obviously I know you know Alonso obviously got off to a hot start and then he struggled. I think since getting hurt, really he hasn't been the yeah. same player. But you know he's obviously should be a long term piece. I think. So there, there, there's enough there, and I, and I think the continued development of players like Alvarez and, and Beatty and and hopefully players behind them, as you said, they're going to be key to where this team's going to go. But, but yeah. partic- particularly Alvarez, I think, because that was, you know, I remember earlier on in the season, you know, he, he wasn't being used right. And I think the fact he's now emerged the way he has is is a real positive heading into next year, even if they they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, and I think I mean the Mets have found themselves another cornerstone core piece, right? Um, he, like I said, he's one of their best hitters this year. Um, and like you said, you mentioned that maybe the Mets didn't handle it perfectly. Maybe Buck Showalter didn't handle it perfectly and his playing time and um, his comments in the media. And then Buck honestly kind of got his hand pushed, right? Um, They didn't have a choice, but to play him all the time. Nito got hurt. Nervais was still hurt. And 
he was their catcher. That's, that's what they had to do. And he ran away with it. Um, and that, that's obviously, like you said, that that's the biggest plus that has come from this Met season. Um, and you mentioned Kodai Sanga, obviously he's pretty much been exactly what the Mets could have hoped, right? He's got a 3.2 ERA. He's looked met much better recently. He's looked more comfortable with his command. Um, and the Mets knew it was going to be kind of a learning curve for him. It's a different baseball. It's a different mound. It's a different country. Um, we knew that it was going to be an adjustment for him. And he, he pitched well enough through um, those first eight to 10 starts, had some good ones sprinkled in there to win some games. But now he's really, I mean, his last four to five starts, he's looking more like an ace or a potential ace. And that, that's exactly what the Mets need. Outside of the obvious, outside of the, the two aces, because obviously we know starting pitching is key. So if we focus on offense, what what one player are you looking at that really needs to find his stride and, and you know, for, for the Mets to have any chance of of getting back into this? I, I think it's Jeff McNeil. Um just because of how good he was last year, um, what he means to this team. He's a pretty vocal player for the team. Um, just to see, I mean, his, his slugging percentage is like 320-something. Obviously, he's not a big power guy, but he, he still had 39 doubles last year. Um, right now, he looks like a slap hitter, a bad slap hitter, um, which isn't valuable on the offensive side. And this is a guy that's supposed to hit second or third or fourth or fifth, sixth. Um, he's supposed to be one of the best hitters in the lineup. And he's just, it's been most of the year that he's been bad and it, it's tough to find any rhyme or reason to it. And he's a different, he was, he's a different unique hitter anyway. Um, there's not many people that when they are six successful, do it like, McNeil did where he's a slap guy he's a low exit below guy um so when stuff like that when a guy like that struggles it's even tougher to find like the mechanics of why it's happening I know this year he's got a career high in infield pop-ups um obviously that's an issue but I, I I couldn't tell you exactly why that is an issue but that's certainly if you want to point to something that you need to fix that would be something for McNeil because the expected batting average on pop-ups in the infield is extremely low. Um, I, I think it's McNeil. Um, I would say Marte, but for me, Marte is just not healthy. Um, he hasn't looked healthy. And the last couple of weeks, it's kind of been leaked out slowly between him kind of half saying stuff and people reporting that he isn't healthy, that he doesn't feel a hundred percent in the groin area. Um, and yeah, now the migraine thing that's yeah. come out today. Yeah. Which I, I don't want to play conspiracy theorists, but it, it, this came out after it kind of for the first time came out in a paper or a publication that he was having issues with his groin. So the Mets, I think would be whatever was going on with Marte, um, sickness migraine wise they would be extremely cautious because it wouldn't hurt to give them that rest anyway so i do i do think obviously Marte has not played well this year 
but I, I do think a lot of that is health health related. So maybe the best thing for him is to just take some time off and and try to get closer to a hundred percent. Let's um let's end it with the man of the moment, Shohei Otani, because he is gonna dominate every <laughs> aspect of baseball between now and quite frankly the coming off season with his with his free agency. You know, there, there's obviously lots of different things and it seems to be that things are changing by the day. So at, at the moment, the, the word is that he's unlikely to be dealt at the deadline. But, you know, everything we said with the Mets applies to the Angels. You know, a lot can change over the next 10 days or so. He'll, he'll likely hit free agency, I think, because I, I, I don't think him and the Angels are, are, are deemed for a long-term relationship after this year because I, I just don't think they can give him what he wants in terms of being a legit contender um, and then obviously there's all kinds of noise about him preferring to be on the west coast but whether he's available at the deadline or not we know the Mets are going to be in anyway but do you think this year almost kind of motivates Steve Cohen even more to be a little bit more aggressive and going after him or, or do you think that they were going to be big players regardless. Um, both. <laughs> I think I think the Mets were going to be big players regardless of what happened this year. But I do think, assuming this season continues to go like it has for the Mets, um, I think that does certainly motivate Coed um, because look, he he knows public perception. Um, he knows what's going on. He's on Twitter. He's and he's not in a bad way. He's he's there to take the pulse, right? And he's there to know what's going on. Um, and he honestly wouldn't have to be on social media to know that obviously the Mets have struggled this year and they've underachieved probably more than anyone in baseball. So for that to happen, um, that that look that's embarrassing for Cohen. I, I'm sure that's the way he feels is embarrassed. Um, and one of the best ways to correct that is to get the best player on the planet, right? That that yeah. feels like a pretty obvious move. And when potentially the only obstacle is money and Steve Cohen has all of it, um, that feels like a pretty easy way to fix it. Um, there's certainly going to be the other teams involved. San Diego, I, I don't think you can count San Diego out on anyone anymore. Uh, the Dodgers will certainly be involved. I think some other teams, uh, the Yankees, of course, they're always one of the high-spending teams. So I think the Mets are certainly going to be involved, particularly in the offseason. Uh, I think maybe what's changed is that they were going to be more aggressive for him during the trade deadline if he is available. Um, I think they're probably way less likely to do that now considering the position. I think if they were in first place right now, um, and were healthy and looking like they were going to make a run at the World Series, a very good chance at it, I, I think they'd be more aggressive at the deadline to get Otani and more willing to give up key prospects. Um, so I think now, I think if the Angels do decide, and like you said, they're they're in the, kind of the same position as the Mets or close to it. They're five games out of the wild card, but um, they're behind the Yankees and Red Sox who – have been pretty good teams all year and the angels are only at 500. So um, Mike Trout's hurt. 
Um, they've got some other injuries they're dealing with too. So I think it'll kind of, they'll play the wait and see like the Mets are going to, I don't think that's the right move. I think they should trade. I, I honestly think that Moreno silly, the fact that we've gotten to this point, I thought they should have already traded Otani. I think they've missed out on a great opportunity to get a really big prospect haul for Otani and they've got nothing to show for it at this point. Yeah, I, I mean a lot a lot of their leverage is is gone already. I mean they they could still salvage some of that if they did the right because I agree with you. I think the right thing is to is to deal him now. I think the you know this will be the final thing, but I just want to get your thoughts on this. The real interesting thing for me is if all the reports are true that he would prefer to stay on the West Coast. I think for me, if if I was a team on the the East Coast, and you know, outside of the the Yankees and Mets, I'm not sure who else would be. You know, I know people have mentioned the Red Sox, but everything they've done the last two years kind of flies in the face of them all of a sudden. Then, you know, I know it's Otani, so it's different. But you know, if if you're the Mets or the Yankees, do you almost you know if you hear that he is going to be available, do you almost be ultra aggressive because it's you know I know nothing's a given, but then it's an opportunity to get him into the building get him used to the organization and, and the city and kind of convince him, you know, look, we know you've got West Coast preferences, but we've got two, three months now to show you what this could be like. And that ultimately if that pays off, that's worth whatever you have to give up for a player of his caliber, right? No. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good point and really well thought out. Um, and I think if, the Yankees and or Mets were kind of in a different position because the Mets are eight games out. Um, the Yankees are, I think, three games out of the last wildcard spot, which is certainly not where they expected to be either. Um, I think if they were in a playoff position right now, I, I think that's certainly where they would want to be more aggressive to the point that you're talking about of, hey, let's not only is Otani obviously going to be a huge asset to us on a world series run but yeah let's get him here let's get him used to new york let's get him to see exactly what life could be like for the next 10 12 years however long his deal is um and that's certainly a thought process that i'm sure that um brian cashman and billy epler have both thought about um i think a lot of times we hear about preferences Right, we hear that that certain player wants to play on the West Coast, certain player wants to play on the East Coast, and typically, it only ends up mattering really for the most part is with older players. We see some guys take deals a little closer to home when they're older, but then again, like Matt Scherzer, all we heard was from a couple of reporters is well, he prefers the West Coast, like that. True. That's what yeah. he wants to do, and turns out he signed with the Mets certainly the Mets offered him record money but look they could do that with Otani too they're capable of offering him record money um so I I it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and I do I do think that there'll be more West Coast teams involved simply because that's where a lot of the money lies right now and outside of the Mets that's where a lot of the teams that are spending right now right I mean the Dodgers Pirate Padres and Mets, you would say, are the three biggest spenders in baseball right now, and two of them being on the West Coast. And even if 
I don't think it's realistic. He goes there. The angels are certainly going to be in on him because let's face it, it would look really bad if they didn't make a serious yeah. bid for him. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I know this is going to sound crazy, but you know, anywhere between 500 and 600 million, whatever it's going to be, you know, honestly for the, for the Mets, that's going to be a really good investment because Otani in New York, you're going to be making so much, so much money just off, you know, uh, merchandise. Uh, I, I can't even begin to imagine some of the commercial deals that are, are going to start flying in if, if he's in a big market like New York. You know, you, you can just imagine now some of the, the the marketing opportunities and the brands that are going to want to jump in, you know, on Otani. And especially now because the Mets are heading it. I, you know, I mean, for everything we've said about them on the field, I think you'd agree that they're heading in the right direction off it. And, you know, the, 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 there's just a much more different feel to the franchise now and they feel more connected to the fans and to the city. And I think for a lot of people, being able to get into partnership with them with someone like Otani would be lucrative. And I, I think it would just be a, re a really good opportunity all around. But, you know, a lot can happen between... <laughs> now and then but um i'm gonna let you go mike because i know that you that you're a busy guy um thank you for jumping on we'll try and get you on uh maybe after the trade deadline and i know i'm coming back to do a few bits of the site which i'm excited about so um yeah we'll see we'll see how these next 10 days go or so and um we'll, we'll speak again after the deadline absolutely thanks for having me andrew no worries thank you